Please be seated. Our first scripture reading today is found in Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25. To whom can you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Our second scripture reading is found in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, starting at verse 21, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. The fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. So today I want to talk about forgiveness and about what is it that we owe the Father? 
Because in this parable, of course, the king is the father. And we are the servant that owes 10,000 bags of gold, something that we could never, ever pay back. And so I just want to look at what is it, like what is it that Jesus did that we could never pay back? Or what is it that we owe that we could never pay back? So I have a story, a kind of silly story you'll have to bear with me. Um, there were these uh, two men, a father and a son, and they were scientists. And uh, they were biologists, they worked with grasshoppers. So their whole life's work was dedicated to studying grasshoppers. And, um, you know, they studied in this one field where there were plenty of grasshoppers, you know, what they ate and what they did and how they communicated. And really, they were the experts in the world on grasshoppers and gave you lectures on grasshoppers and loved grasshoppers. And so um, the problem was, was that the field where they worked was bought by a development company and they were going to build condos there. And the father and son were, you know, so sad because all their grasshoppers were going to die. And they, so they devised this rescue plan. So actually, as part of their work, they'd been studying the DNA of grasshoppers, and they'd actually come up with a way for a person to become a grasshopper. And so they discussed amongst themselves, the two of them, and they thought, you know, the son would become a grasshopper and go and warn them all what was coming and tell them about their rescue plan, about how on a certain day at a certain time they could come, and the father would come and rescue them all so they'd be saved from the, you know, condo development. And so uh, the son did this. He became a grasshopper. And uh, he went, you know, and he tried to tell them in grasshopper language about condos. So, you know, grasshoppers rub their legs together, so he's telling them, they're going to build condos, you're all going to die. <laughs> and they're like, you know, what's a condo? And he's like, oh, it's kind of like a big tree where lots of squirrels live. They're like, oh, okay, condo, condo, you know, big tree where lots of squirrels live. He said, yeah, they're coming with bulldozers. And they're like, what's a bulldozer? He's like, oh, it's kind of like um, a stick with four pine cones, and it kind of rolls forward. Like, oh, yeah, okay, bulldozer. We know what bulldozers are. So, you know, some of the uh, grasshoppers thought he was crazy. They're like... This is a crazy grasshopper. We don't know where he's from. You know, but some of them believed, and so they uh, followed him to the point where the father was going to save them on that day. And so the father gathered up his son and all the other grasshoppers and took them to another field farther out in the country where they were saved from the um, condo development and the bulldozers. And the ones who stayed behind, you know, unfortunately were bulldozed away. Uh, so when they got to the next field and the ones who understood that he wasn't really a grasshopper he was really a person said to him oh when are you going to change back like into a person and the son said oh no we we hadn't figured that out we only figured out how i could become a grasshopper not how i can turn back into a person um and so i'm going to be a grasshopper all, all of my days and they're like what so, I, okay, this is kind of a silly story. I understand that this is a silly story. But the truth is that God became man. How much more crazy is it for God to become a person than for a person to become a grasshopper? And he comes and he tries to tell us about heavenly things, you know, about love. And he's, you know, like, love is like a dad. And we're like, oh, good, good, love is like a dad. But really, love is so much more. We just don't have the context for it because we're like the grasshoppers trying to understand condos, you know? And Jesus, he became a person, and he will have a physical human body for eternity. You know, like he gave up uh, part of what it was to be God in spirit, to become person in flesh. And we've read about his resurrected body and how wonderful that is. But that's part of what he gave up for us. 
And uh, I just want to go back to Isaiah. Um, so we read um, from verse 25, but I just want to go back to verse 21, Isaiah 40, verse 21. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. This is part of what he's trying to explain to us. You know, this is part of like, when we read the parable of the unmerciful servant and we owe him 10,000 bags of gold, this is part of it. He became like a man becoming a grasshopper for us. That's part of what he gave up. And he did this so that we could be forgiven because that was God's rescue plan for us, to forgive us because we've all done things that need forgiveness. And I just think it's so wonderful <laughs> that he would do that for me. And I was thinking the other day, you know, um, uh, when Jesus was explaining about going to the cross to his uh, servant, to the disciples, he said, you know, at any point he could call on his father and legions of angels would come and save him. So when he was on the cross paying the price for our sins, at any point he could have climbed down. So when they were nailing the nails in his hands, at any point he could have walked away. So I don't know about you, but anytime I get near the hot stove and I'm close, I pull my hand right away. You know, like, if I had to hold my hand there, I don't think I could do it. But that is what Jesus did. He held his hand there while they nailed him because he could have, at any point, got up and walked away. Like, part of what he prepared when he was in the desert, you know, and part of walking around with a disciple for those three years, part of it was physical preparation and mental preparation for the day when he would be tortured and could walk away, but by his will would lay there and take it. And I think, you know, this is part of the 10,000 bag of gold, you know, that we owe him is that he lay there because of his love for us when he could have walked away. You know, like, sometimes I think it's hard to think, like, what is it that we owe? You know, and these are some of the things that we owe him. So, in the parable of the wicked servant, um, the king forgives the wicked servant but the wicked servant doesn't forgive his fellow servant. So that's us forgiving other people. So what I want to point out there is that the forgiveness that the wicked servant received was conditional, right? Like he had to forgive his other servant in order to receive forgiveness. So God's love is unconditional. We can't do anything to uh, get away from his love. But clearly in this parable, it's showing us that if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. We can also find that in the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? So as we are forgiving in the same way, God is forgiving us. And so um, when we go to forgive, a lot of times it's really hard because we do pay a price. 
in the story, it's clear that if the wicked servant doesn't forgive, he will pay a thousand pieces of silver. Like there is a price for forgiveness. When we forgive, we say, I will pay the pain that I have received from what that other person did wrong. We do pay something. But what Father God is saying here, it's nothing compared to what I paid. So if, we, if we're focusing on what the person did to us, right, then it's really hard to forgive. And so Father God is saying, don't focus on that. Focus on what I did for you. Focus on how I lay there and took the torture when I could have walked away. Focus on how I became like a grasshopper to save you. Focus on what I've done, and it becomes easier. Um, so I just want to go over a few reasons why we don't forgive. Right? The um, first reason people say, you know, I'm not going to forgive is because the person will do it again. Right? If we forgive them, they're just going to do it again. So forgiveness is not the same as permission. Right? We can forgive someone and still have good boundaries. Right? So we might say to someone, I forgive you. However, I'm still not going to allow you to borrow more money from me. <laughs> I'm still not going to allow you to speak to me using those words. You know, we might have to say, you know, I forgive you for what you said. And if you use those words again, I will just walk out of the room. Right? We can still have boundaries with forgiveness. The second reason people say they don't want to forgive the person is because then they're off the hook. Right? They're off the hook. If I forgive them, they don't have to pay anything. I have news for you. They're already off the hook. <laughs> They already did it. They already walked away. They're already off the hook. We're the ones who are on the hook. I remember this one time I was so mad at the cleaning lady at the gym, and I'm driving down the road to school because I go in the morning, like just so angry thinking of all the things I could say to her and thinking of all the things I would do. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like I just have to forgive her. Like she already got away with doing what she did. And like I'm sitting here angry and she's gone about her work. Like, I could be thinking about my students, because I'm a teacher. I could, like, they have real problems I could be thinking about, like, to help them. Instead, I'm angry at the cleaning lady. Like, you know, they're already off the hook. They already did it. They already got away. When we forgive, we let ourselves off the hook, right? Because we're no longer um, focusing on it and keeping the bitterness and keeping it tied to ourselves. you know. Um, and the truth is that the Bible says that God is the judge, and if that person does not ask for forgiveness from God, they will pay on Judgment Day. The Bible is very clear about that. And the Bible is very clear. It says, vindication is mine, says the Lord. We're not to get our own vindication. And so they're not really off the hook. But we do get off the hook when we forgive. The next thing people say is that they don't feel like forgiving. You know, the Bible says, forgive from your heart. You know, like, how can I forgive if I don't feel it in my heart? But the choice is that forgiveness is a, the truth is forgiveness is a choice. We choose to forgive and our heart comes along afterwards in many times. Sometimes our heart comes along right away, but usually it takes a while. I also find usually I have to forgive a few times before my heart comes along. So every time I think of what the cleaning lady did, I have to forgive her again. You know, and the more I do it, the easier it gets. And the more I choose to forgive, the more God heals my heart. You know, so it's a choice, and our heart comes along afterwards because we're choosing to give up the bitterness, to give up holding them to it. 
You know, uh, somebody said that uh, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You know, it just hurts us. It doesn't hurt the other person. Uh, the last thing people say is, you know, but it still hurts. I forgive them, but it still hurts. Um, and my answer to that is that uh, the more we admit how much they hurt us, and the more we forgive them for that, the deeper a healing God can do in our heart. So if we say, oh, no, no, that didn't hurt, we're really giving cheap forgiveness, and we'll receive cheap healing, because we're blocking God from forgiving those deep parts where we were really hurt. So when we truly admit that we were really hurt by that, it really did cost us a thousand pieces of silver. That hurt. Then, and we forgive them fully everything, then God can come in and completely heal everything because we've opened up our heart. When we keep it closed, it's going to hurt and hurt and hurt. And people are scared to open up, I'm scared, to open up our hearts to God because we know it's going to hurt. Admitting how much it hurt, hurts. But the truth is, the sooner we admit it, the sooner God can heal all the way down, and the sooner it's just a scar. It doesn't hurt when you press on it anymore. So uh, when we don't admit it all, it just stays underneath and festers and hurts more and more and longer and longer, and eventually it comes out when we're not wanting it to. It just explodes all over everything. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had that happen when I got, I've got angry sometimes because of things I haven't dealt with. Yeah, so um, I guess I remember um, my brother and I, many of you know Matthew, when we were younger, we didn't get along. And uh, when I went to Bible school, I decided that, you know, one day I would forgive him. And so I forgave him. Um, and the next time I saw him, he asked my advice about something. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> He'd never asked for advice. And he very clearly told me before this that he did not want my advice. And then he gave me money for the mission trip I was going on. I'm like, who else can I forgive? This is wonderful. <laughs> and really, we're such good friends today. Like, God really, really redeemed that for me. Like, when I have a problem, he's one of the very first people I call. And same, he calls me too. You know, and I love his wife and his children. And I just think, I'm so glad I forgave him. Or I would have missed all of this awesome relationship with him. You know. So what we're going to do now, we're going to ask God who should I forgive? And perhaps he'll show us someone who we've already forgiven. And, um, you know, if that happens, then probably we're just to forgive them again. So we're just going to pray now. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for coming and becoming like a grasshopper and trying to explain to us about your love and forgiveness so that we could receive your forgiveness and be saved. And um, we want to be like you, Jesus. We want to forgive fully. So would you please show us who it is that you want us to forgive today? So once he's shown you the person, uh, then we're going to pray um, just in our hearts. Um, thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place that I might be forgiven. 
By an act of my will, I now choose to forgive that person who hurt me or sinned against me. I forgive them for, and be specific, let God know, what are you forgiving them for? Lord, I give to this person the gift of my unconditional forgiveness. They owe me nothing, not even an apology. I entrust them to you, God, and I bless them in your name. Lord, would you forgive my ungodly response to the offense and pain? I've judged this person with wrong attitudes and words and bitterness and anger. I ask you to forgive me for my ungodly sinful responses. Thank you that I'm forgiven and that you're setting me free. I ask you to come and move powerfully in my life and change me. And um, Jesus, we know that you were with us when those things happened that hurt us. Would you just show us in our heart, in our imagination, in our mind's eye, what were you doing when we were hurt? Would you just give us a picture or a word or a feeling about what were you doing when we were hurt? Thank you that you are there with us. Thank you that you've experienced everything. The word says that you experienced everything we experience, that you didn't leave us alone. Thank you that you love us, that you were there, that you didn't just leave us to be hurt, but you came that we could be healed. In your name we pray, amen. Our closing hymn is number 288.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace.